2: Go behind the scenes and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond dash zero vision. Toyota, let's go places.
2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
1: Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on adventures.
2: They call me Ben. We are joined with our guest super producer, Tari Harrison. So everybody uh, drop by our various social medias and, and give her a hello. Thank her for saving the show. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, a very, very strange episode, Uh, an episode that draws in allegations of the paranormal, the occult, cults in specific, and much, much more.
1: And just numbers, numerology a little bit, Mm -hmm. to a small extent, but to a larger extent, coincidence.
2: I'd like to open today's episode with with a quote from a poem. Many of us in the audience will recognize. Uh, could we get just a, a little bit of ominous music? April is the cruellest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. That's just the first. That's the first four lines of The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot.
1: Wow. And
2: it's it, it's useful for our purposes today because we just see the beginning of some of the themes that Eliot is working with throughout The Wasteland. You you had to read that, I'm sure, at some mm-hmm. point, in like high school, college, read it for fun. It's just a, it's a
1: creepy poem. It is. It is. And it it characterizes April in a very different way than I think maybe a lot of us see April, at least especially in the southern – the southeastern United States uh, and a couple other places where April seems to be really when spring – starts happening right, you know you have a lot of March, then once you get into April, that's when all the pollen starts showing mm-hmm. up at least around these parts. that's when the the flowers start blooming seems really happy and not at all a wasteland right uh we even
2: say often in English and especially in the southeastern part of the United States that April showers bring may flowers there you go. It's a time of um Rejuvenation, resurrection after the after the symbolic death of the world in winter, right? And and, symbolic death and or real death of Jesus Christ, right? Right, exactly. Which you know is mythologically uh, an, an ancient concept that goes back to you know the resurrected vegetable god. You know, even even the ideas of gods that were dismembered by their followers to ensure harvest. There is a ton of folklore here, and it goes very, very deep. But for our purposes today, we have to say that April is a month full of symbolic contradiction, mm-hmm. right? Today, in, the, in these, our modern times, April is, as you said, man, it's the beginning of spring. You know what I mean? Uh, let's all go hunt for uh, plastic eggs in someone's lawn, right? There you go. Uh but in times past, it was, it was much more important, especially when people were much more closely tied to an agrarian lifestyle yeah. living off the land.
1: And just one last thing to put in here, it, symbolically, in order for a rebirth to occur, what must there be? Death, right?
2: That's correct, yes. And now speaking of these are modern days. Let's, let's take a look. Let's all, let's all zoom out in our imaginary Google Earth maps uh, so far that we can see this, this blue dot, our own little spaceship, right, uh, orbiting the sun. This is a huge world, at least as far as we're concerned. It's also imperfect. And let's zoom back in a little bit further, and let's focus just on the United States for now, just on North America. For the past few decades— Americans have encountered numerous horrific domestic events such as bombings, mass murders, acts of terrorism, spree killing and so on, often resulting in the deaths of dozens or in some cases hundreds of people. And sadly, tragically for most of us, the endless march of these events can blend together at times. I like what you did there with the endless march. Yes, (laughs) Oh yes, <laughs> that was unintentional. But yes, it's true, right? I mean, you know, think about think about the uh, horrific occurrence of school shootings. Yeah. Right? Which have which have been reported at such a frequency. And let's be careful to emphasize that word reported at such a frequency. That there were times when you and I were here in the office working on something, talking about something, and then we would be talking about two different school shootings because so we many didn't had rea- happened. Yeah, yeah. And we
1: didn't realize in the moment that we we're talking about two different ones. Mm-hmm,
2: exactly. So for some of us, this has become the new normal. You turn on the news, you log into your you know new source of choice, or you open your morning paper and... You are surprised if something has not occurred, right? But for other people, a single day or a single afternoon fundamentally changed our understanding of this country and of the world in general. If you were someone who was present uh, during the Centennial Olympic bombing here in 1996 in Atlanta, if you were someone present uh, during the attack on the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001, it's It has inherently altered your perspective. In today's episode, we're exploring a bizarre claim related to some but not all of these tragedies. Do they seem to have, for lack of a better word, a season? You know what I mean? Like Mm. how how we talked previously about the small town of Shag Harbor. It has a lobster season. It's a lobster town. But it's only through, uh, I believe, November to, to a certain amount of time that they actually fish for lobster. So do these tragedies, if you look at, at these things that occur in the United States, is there a season where they are more likely to occur throughout the year?
1: Well, let's take a look back through uh, even just the recent history starting in 1993. And it, we, were, we were recording this on April 19th, 2019. And on April 19th, 1993, uh, something happened that has been called and is known as the Waco Massacre. Or the Waco Siege. Waco Siege. There. It's been called a lot of things depending on um, which side you land on, like in your beliefs about what happened that day. But that's when an FBI assault and ATF and several other agencies um, led to the burning down of the compound of the Branch Davidians. In Waco, Texas, and it killed 76 men, women, and children. Mm. It was um, a terrible and highly contentious moment or couple of days, um, the Waco massacre. But that was 1993. Then in 1995, we have the Oklahoma City bombing, which killed 168 people when a a vehicle, a bomb inside a vehicle exploded in the lower levels of the Murrah Building in Oklahoma City. And then on April 20th, 1999, the Columbine High School Massacre happened, uh, where two young men killed 13 people and injured 21 others.
2: April 16th, 2007, the Virginia Massacre occurs. 32 people are killed, 17 are injured. April 16th, 2013, the Boston Marathon explosions occur. 107 people are injured. Three are killed.
1: And then on April 18th, 2013, uh, there was an explosion at a fertilizer plant in Texas where somewhere between 5 and 15 are killed. And this happened almost exactly 20 years after the Waco massacre. And it's in roughly the same area. So that's something that we'll notice people point out at least a lot online and on and on you'll find you'll you'll find other
2: incidents or other events other tragedies other shootings other acts of domestic terrorism that leads people to ask is there something off about april because astute listeners will notice that these widely varying events While while a few had some geographical similarities, they all occurred within the same month. That's very strange. We have to acknowledge, first off, that the proliferation of mass media allows us all to be more aware of tragedies when they do occur. So it is not necessarily true that more bad things are happening – it's just that it's easier for us to learn about these things. And more importantly, it's easier for us to remember those events because we have libraries on our phones essentially. So is there are, are there more skeletons in the closet or do we just have better flashlights or better
1: keys to the closets? I don't know. I mean, if you jump back to 1947, there's also something that occurred in on April 16th. Um, so like you said, like throughout history – terrible things have been happening. In this case, it was a ship that was was in the port of Texas uh, and Texas City, I guess. And it was a huge explosion because of some ammonium nitrate that was just sitting in that ship when it exploded and it killed like 576 people. And, you know, like you said, to your point, Ben, things terrible things happen all the time. It does seem a little coincidental that all of these occur in the middle of April.
2: Hmm, and and it does. Secondly, appear to be a strange confluence of events. These are all incredibly violent attacks, with the exception of the nineteen forty seven thing, which could have been an accident, right? Uh, but they're all happening around the same time. So, why April? What gives? Is this a coincidence? Just some morbid, horrific accident?
1: Well, according to some researchers that you will find online, absolutely not. There's something a lot more sinister going on, something that's been happening for a long, long time. And we'll hear about it right after a quick word from our sponsor.
2: Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada
2: means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed
0: yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled It was really, really annoying.
1: Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider.
2: Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the
0: most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
3: Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: Here's where it gets crazy. What if these acts of violence, these explosions, these massive losses of life are not? Randomized? What if they are occurring to the tune uh, or to the cadence of some earlier pre existing pattern? That's the argument that you will hear fringe researchers make. One of the strangest – let's dive in. One of the strangest arguments is the idea that these are not accidents. These are not lone wolf acts of violence but instead they are the result of ritualized sacrifices perpetrated by an ancient and sinister cult, a faction of people who worship the god known as Baal or Baal. Let's take a quote from a website called The Vigilant Citizen, which for the record is what we would consider very much conspiratorial.
1: Throughout many centuries and across many civilizations, the second half of April has always been a time of blood sacrifice. The worship of Baal took many names, Enil, Moloch, and spread across several civilizations. Being a sun god and a god of fertility, rituals celebrating Baal took place after the vernal equinox, a time of rebirth, and often involved human sacrifice. So, the
2: idea here is that this god, this Baal character, was worshipped uh, and was the, um, the beneficiary of these various acts of adulation, right, and ritualized sacrifice. And sacrifice in many religions is a normal thing. For most of us in the human species, it only it only becomes uh, something that crosses the line when the things being sacrificed are people, right? Like in Mesoamerican religions. However, sacrificing a bull, a ram, a goat or a lamb or whatever, that's completely fine. That's in line with what is considered normal.
1: Yeah, and you also have sacrifices in the more modern age that are much more symbolic. Giving something up, say for Lent, something to that effect is in a way seen as a sacrifice. Um, Stopping – yeah, stopping doing something many times is considered a sacrifice and there are other ways to, to do it rather than just, you know, slaughtering an, uh, um, cattle or something. Sure,
2: sure. I mean you can argue that some religious practices we are aware of or even participate in today are ultimately descended from actual acts of sacrifice, right? So let's look at this Ball character for a second. What we know about Ball now is that uh, Ball in popular fiction has done a lot of great things for <laughs> for <laughs> horror film writers, and the original phrase Ball was a title. It meant owner or lord.
1: Yeah, was- B A A L. By the way, just in mm. case,
2: or B A apostrophe A L, mm-hmm. depending on how mm-hmm. you want to go, and. This this um, entity or this god went through a couple of different incarnations. So, someone say there was Baal, and then there would be Baal Hamnan, who was worshipped in Carthage as their supreme god somewhere around the fifth century BCE.
1: And it's just, it's just something you put out. A lot of times, I've heard it pronounced Baal. Especially if you look at, uh, and I just recall that from the Diablo series of all things, mm-hmm. the video game series. Mm. Uh, it's it's as though it would be spelled B A Y L or B A E L, I guess bail, but it, it's it's change. It changes depending on who's referring to it. Mm-hmm. And it's also common
2: in works of fiction to make something just slightly spelled differently. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like substitute. Uh, Maybe not in the case of Baal, but to substitute a Y for another vowel and demon or something mm-hmm. like that. As a guy who read a lot of comic books in the 90s, that's very common. So this, this entity, the idea of Baal appears about 90 times in Hebrew scriptures in reference to various gods. The priest of the Canaanite Baal are mentioned in, I think, most often in the first book of Kings. And people argue that you – know, people argue that you can interpret different be, – because of the the uh, vagueness of the title, Baal, just lord or whatever, you can interpret different local gods that were being worshipped as being referred to by their own people as Baal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of like how many, many original – communities or tribes of human beings if you ask in their native language what their word for themselves is it translates to something like the people or the real people so the we have to be careful with this title what they're claiming in this research is that there is a um a demonic god this this argument is going to be rooted in in um abrahamic religion uh the, this idea that there is a a true Judeo Christian Islamic God, and that there are demons like Baal that were confused with gods by local people, like by the Phoenicians, right, <laughs> right, or in Carthage. So, a, so we have we have that established that Baal could be many, could be several different things to several different people. But according to the Encyclopedia of Mythica and according to the argument that these fringe researchers are proposing, the practice of worshiping this Baal, whichever particular one they believe it was, was vilified and was at times violently suppressed by the other religions of the area and of the time. But that it survived into biblical times and then later they'll say it survived even further So we have a quote here from that encyclopedia. The religion of the God Ball was widely accepted amongst the ancient Jews, and although it was put down at times, it was never permanently stamped out. Kings and other royalty of the ten biblical tribes worshipped this god. The ordinary people ardently worshipped this sun god too because their prosperity depended on the productivity of their crops and livestock. And it goes on to describe how the god's images were erected on different buildings. There appeared to be priests and classes of devotees throughout uh, the socioeconomic strata and That their ceremonies included, quote, burning incense and offering burnt sacrifices, occasionally consisting of human victims. The officiating priests danced around the altars, chanting frantically and cutting themselves with knives to inspire the attention and compassion of the god. And for some of us listening, this sounds pretty similar to the alleged uh, sacrifices to Moloch, right, where people would – Uh, people would put human sacrifices inside a
1: a hollow metal bull
2: and then light a fire under the
1: bull. Yeah, And it also, it harkens back to imagery of something like the Bohemian Grove. Exactly, yeah. uh, With the cremation of care sacrifices that occur. Again, very symbolic, at least from everything we can find Mm -hmm. that occur there. But the rituals sound pretty similar without the whole – dancing around and cutting themselves things. Uh, at yeah, least maybe the, the, the we care were up. cut off. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah so the uh, cremation of care is— the, the cremation of care uh, is this ritual that people who attend the Bohemian Grove participate in. Uh, it's best phrased as an annual theatrical production, maybe. Yeah. Right? That's, at the Bohemian Club. At the Bohemian Club. So— what they do is – we could talk about this for a little bit. This is yeah. interesting. If you've never heard about this, this is crazy because this is a real thing.
1: And we have an episode, I believe, specifically on this. Oh, on I the Bohemian think, Grove. I think. But yeah, anyway, check that out if you want to know a ton about it. Yeah. Uh, if you just want to know the – I guess here the, are hear the hits. Uh, presidents go there. Uh, really, Journalists, captains
2: yeah. of industry.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they go to summer camp essentially, mm-hmm. theatrical summer camp. Where they all get to be boys, and they get cartoonishly
2: inebriated. According to the story, they don't discuss business or policy. Their phrase is "weaving spiders come not here." Yeah, uh, don't be weaving those webs, right? And they have a forty foot or twelve meters for the entire rest of the world. They have a they have a forty foot or twelve meter hollow statue of an owl. It's an owl shrine. It's at one edge of a man-made pond. And during the Bohemian Grove get-together, during their time at summer camp, they sacrifice an effigy in front of this owl. And it, it happens on the first night of their summer camp. I love that phrase, Matt. Mm-hmm. And they, when they burn this effigy, it's supposed to – banished all the cares of the outside world. So now you can just hang with your buddies and have fun uh, because you have banished all your problems outside of the grove. Uh, and then also they'll say it presents symbolically the salvation of the trees by the club. The club is protecting old growth groves of redwoods. Yeah. So in
1: – The robes yeah. though. The robes are creepy. Tell us about the robes. <laughs> There's a lot of robes. It's – um. It's definitely – I can't get around just the performance factor, even though it is a right of some sorts. It's a performance of a right. Mm. Uh, I don't know. it. It's, it's just creepy to imagine that George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush and, you know, uh, Nixon, Clinton, all these other people, they end mm-hmm. up there at some point um, hanging out and watching this thing. Nixon was not a fan of it. He though. was not. But he was there.
2: <laughs> he, he has a very yeah, explicit quote that we don't have to go yeah. into. Uh, but you can find it on yeah. Google. Just Google Nixon Bohemian Grove quote
1: and I guarantee you, you'll get a chuckle out of it. And watch House of Cards season four maybe? Is that in there as well? It's a fictionalized version of it. So
2: it's, it's a real thing. It's a real right. And for many of us, it's like, hey, that's, that's silly. You know, but we have to remember that for a long time the existence of that right was denied until a, a group of people were able to get some uh, some surreptitious, hidden camera footage of the thing actually happening, and the whole thing really does happen. These these people who I would ordinarily assume had better things to do with their time do get dressed up in robes. They do burn this effigy in front of this giant owl sculpture and they have kind of a
1: ritualized dramatic play. Yeah, And, you know, one of the biggest questions here is what does the owl truly represent? Right. Right? Yeah. So then when you're talking about some of these ancient cults that may or may not exist to Baal or Baal or whatever, to Minerva perhaps or to Mithra, the cult of Mithras, there are all of these different things of – what could that owl possibly represent? And that's where some of the independent researchers out there, people who really see something uh, nefarious happening here, it's where they kind of take it a little further than maybe you would imagine. Sure, yeah. Because then,
2: I mean, we can get into the psychology of this a little bit later, but I think that's an excellent way to set it up. We understand that, in the absence of a clear explanation, of course speculation is going to thrive. That's what human beings do and we're – maybe this is not the best choice of words. We are devilishly good at it. So this – so not from nothing does this this idea of a cult of ball arise. Correct. But the the speculation and the extrapolation that a lot of these folks are making – when, when they take this, this idea further is that this cult survived to modern times. Now, sure, there are a, a lot of, uh, let's say, secretive religious organizations, but that doesn't make them evil. For instance, the Druze religion, D-R-U-Z-E, Uh, The the Druze religion is secretive. It's not a thing everybody can join but that doesn't make it evil, right? But the problem here is that these fringe researchers say, "Okay, this cult continues today, some form of it. But this practice that there's not a ton of hard proof of, this practice of human sacrifice continues today in an altered form. Today's occult elite still observes these rites with one major difference. So so gunfire replaces explosions, but also these rites are carried out on unsuspecting civilians spread across the world through mass media. There's a quotation. Fed and amplified by the fear and trauma of the masses, these mega rituals are seen by all but only celebrated by the occult elite. So – The idea here too, you've probably heard this in many um, horror stories or you've read this in horror fiction and so on. The idea is that it's not just the murder itself that occurs. It's the mental state of the victim that is paramount to the ritual being conducted correctly. So the fear has to be there. Right? The more people that see this, that encounter this, witness it and feel fear and trauma because of it, the more powerful the ritual becomes. So you can see how this quickly goes from here are some ancient texts. Here are some arguable pieces of evidence about human sacrifice from thousands of years ago. And then it jumps to here's black magic in the modern day.
1: Yeah. But well, in elite. between, you get here some weird rituals that elite peoples do, right? right. And that's uh, –
2: the Bohemian Grove thing is one example. And again, yeah. as far as we know, the effigy has always and only been an effigy. Yeah. So, Matt, you mentioned earlier the existence of numerology. Yes. Playing a role here. What What's all that about?
1: Well, numbers, man. The significance of numbers and and letters adding up to numbers, words – Equaling numbers, and then the the significance of the number itself. So let's let's look at one thing from the website Cutting Edge. So it's talking about April nineteenth to May first, and they are they're saying on this website that this is blood sacrifice to the beast, a most critical thirteen day period. Um, so this is basically. Just kind of stating out there that because of these numbers, because of 4, 419 and or 5-1 and how they relate to each other within a 13-day period, it's important to sacrifice to the beast there, specifically blood sacrifice. Then fire sacrifice is specifically required at the beginning of this 13-day period on April 19th. Interesting. Where do you get all this? It's a bit of a mystery to me. Um then also according to this website April 19th is the first day of that 13-day period and it's also a satanic ritual day uh also relating to fire and also relating to the sun god or the the ancient Phoenician sun god Baal or Baal. And uh this is also known as Molech, uh, Nimrod, and it's also having to do with uh, the Roman god Saturn. A lot of times when you're talking about fire, you're going to be speaking about a sun god, just someone who – a god that represents fire. But also Satan, uh, you know, Saturn, which could be Satan or the devil. Um, again, we're talking about April 19th here specifically. They're, they're saying that this day is really a – almost – it's not a holiday, but it's a human sacrifice day. It's, it's important to sacrifice on April 19th and the sacrifices generally demand fire with an emphasis on younger people, on children, on early life, uh, virgins, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's – again, this is all according to Cutting Edge. Quote, this day is one of the most important human sacrifice days and as such has some very important historic events which occur on this day. And that's the period, you
2: know, April 19th to May 1st, again, a 13-day period. So yeah. for people who believe in aspects of numerology that would apply to this line of thinking, these seem like very powerful, significant numbers. Uh, we do have – we we have an episode on numerology, don't we? We did a video on it. We I did a video. I don't know if we ever covered it. And you run into it sometimes. But numerology itself is um, – is not a monolithic belief system there are people who have varying varying interpretations of this
1: so it's a little suspect um yeah we can we can say we can say that i i mean it's a little suspect because a lot of times what we've found is that uh, some people online who you will find using or appearing to use numerology are not necessarily using the same Techniques or the same meanings for numbers and or uh, letters to numbers. There, it's, it's very fluid. That's what say. I'm saying. Yeah,
2: that's what I mean. There's not it's not monolithic. It's not a uh, a homogenous approach. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, so and and plus, whenever people begin adding up numbers or picking numbers, and the way they do so varies widely. Uh, that's one of the problems, but. Uh, Sun gods, fertility gods, Baal, and sacrifices aside, uh, let's look at some of the issues uh, with this belief after a word from our sponsor. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no
2: surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed
0: yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled It was really, really annoying.
1: Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider.
2: Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most.
0: Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
2: and we have like spring returned so with if we didn't die in the interim yeah. so like the concept of numerology which we won't get into too much because i think we we do have an interesting episode ahead of <laughs> ahead of us in that regard uh there are a couple of other problems with this idea, which shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. The first problem, let's call it the anniversary problem. According to Professor Robert Blazkowicz, uh the author of a blog called Skeptical Humanities and actually a professor here at our uh, local institution of learning, Georgia Tech, there's nothing about April itself as a month that makes people inherently more violent Instead, he argues, it comes down to anniversaries. I have a quote here. He says, The reason why we see certain types of political violence in mid to late April is because of a few unhappy coincidences that Waco happened to fall on the anniversary of the battles of Lexington and Concord, the first battles in a war against a tyrannical oppressor.
1: And Professor Blaskowitz goes on to say, uh, that for anti-federal activists, the Waco massacre symbolized a war of tyrannical government against the people. So you're seeing the symbology being applied there. Um, then he jumps down to Timothy McVeigh and the Murrah building in Oklahoma City. Um, and they're saying that Mc- – he says that McVeigh bombed on the anniversary because of the symbolic importance. And that was actually a known thing. He's he's said that. He stated that. Um, His fake driver's license had an issue date of April 19th, 1993, the date of the Branch Davidian fire.
2: Yes, that's correct. And on April 19th, 2010, gun advocates had a rally in Washington to support the Second Amendment even though it hasn't really – it wasn't really on the um, presidential administration's radar at that time. So they did that again with this April 19th date, this anniversary. This all led Professor Blazkowicz to conclude that in the mythology that's grown up around Waco and Oklahoma City among self-identified patriots, the 19th of April has become a sort of high holiday for those who think they live under the thumb of a tyrannical government. Yeah, it's a pretty good argument. Absolutely. When you see when you see the basis there and I, you know, I have to say I I tend to agree with that because anniversaries are important to people, especially if you're trying to rally people around the cause. The problem I have with translating April into ba- – back in time to ancient ancient practices is that the calendars differ.
1: Yeah, a bunch. People,
2: right. People, um, people before the uh, common era – if you said it was april 19th they would have no idea what you were talking about for the vast majority of the population if not the entire population yeah they now you know earth just moves to its own tune and people uh, make calendars to attempt to explain its movements and its moods so earth was probably doing the same thing roughly the same thing around roughly the same time but To ascribe a certain date to that is a human technology. Absolutely. So
1: it it makes a lot of sense. Depending on where you were in the world before the common era, you would have a completely different calendar because everything is different. We still don't all have the same calendar now. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, what year is it in North Korea? What year is it in um, the Islamic calendar? Mm -hmm. What year? You know, it's. I think it's just because we all live for so short of t- a time, at least for now, that uh, all these terribly ephemeral things appear to be uh, static, again, monolithic and unchanging. But it's not the case. April is a fad. The, <laughs> the current calendar is a fad. Let's let's see if we <laughs> make it to the year 3000 with this thing. But then we go to another problem, which is a psychological problem. A psychological plot twist we alluded to in the uh, first part of today's episode, and that is the problem of information bias. You see, it turns out that many, 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 many other terrible things have occurred during the other 11 months of the year. Like Matt and I love August.
1: That doesn't mean that nothing bad happens in August. Bad things happen in August a lot, and on August 5th, my birthday. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary.
2: Uh, Don't feel bad, man. Hulk Hogan was born on my birthday, August 11th. Oh. I don't know. So that messed it up for everyone.
1: Wait, it messed it up?
2: Yeah, it messed it up.
1: What about. Okay, wait. Are we taking Hulk Hogan as a whole or are we taking like. The whole Hogan.
2: Hogan. (laughs) Take the whole Hogan it's a it's a it's a it's a net negative <laughs> that is a shirt, my friend. So. <laughs> the whole whole oh boy that's the the whole ugly truth, <laughs> not just not just pasta mania. <laughs> he had a restaurant did was it a restaurant? Do you remember that?
1: No, I don't oh,
2: I've gotta okay was, we gotta do stop it stop everything I've gotta, it.
1: hold the presses <laughs> I've gotta
2: show you this so i'm I'm showing yeah, it was a restaurant pasta Mania. <laughs> I'm showing uh, a friend Matt. A great, a uh, great picture of Hulk Hogan uh, promoting Pasta Mania, wow. his
1: short-lived uh, pasta story. Could you describe this picture, Matt? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> he's got his signature yellow shredded-up tank top, and he's also got a yellow chef's hat. He's holding up in his right hand, if if this is correct, uh, a, a spoon or no, a fork full of pasta. He – in his other hand, he's just got too much pasta in a plate, a bowl of sorts. And on his shirt, it says Pasta Mania with an exclamation mark. And it is just a beautiful image.
2: He also has a uh, uh, a sort of cheeky chef-style hat yeah. that's flopped over on the side and uh, blazoned with the same logo. And his uh,
1: cross necklace.
2: And his cross necklace. So you know that – He's sacrificing to the pasta gods? (laughs) Right. And uh, these Kirsten Dunst-level dead eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That is pasta mania. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That must have been an old – was it WWF at the time? It must have been an old promotion of some sort. (laughs) There's no way he went in whole Hogan on uh, pasta mania. (laughs) The whole Hogan.
2: Uh, The whole Hogan. Yeah. uh, We've got a – no, he really did it. I could see the. I, I just pulled up the menu. Uh, so, so that moment of levity aside, it's true uh. that terrible things have occurred the other eleven months of the year. For example, nine eleven occurred in September, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, yes.
2: It's and it's it's disturbingly easy for any human brain to dwell on information that fits a predetermined conclusion and it's easy for us to ignore evidence to the contrary and we've talked about this before and i know how ridiculous it sounds when we're talking about it on a purely intellectual basis but when you come to when you when you come to an emotional argument or something with which you identify emotionally it's very tough to catch yourself in the moment and it's, it's happened to all of us. Correct. It's our, it's our habit of uh, cherry-picking things. And this uh, – we have one example which is like, you know, if you believe that all birds can fly – and you're emotionally wrapped up in this, then your brain will have an easy time discounting evidence that kiwis, ostriches, and emus, and so on, either A, exist, or B, birds. You know, like, they're not really birds, though, because all birds can fly. Yeah. Why are you hassling me about this? You're being a real pill. Specifically kiwis. Specifically kiwis. The most hated, right? (laughs) Yeah. Which Penguins. Oh, yeah, penguins. Penguins. I've never eaten a penguin, but I have heard I've read from historical accounts that they do have a fishy taste.
1: Oh yeah, Tari Tari is just making the. Oh yeah, she hates penguins. Have you, you eaten tell. a penguin, Tari? Whoa, that many! <laughs> See, I hope she's recording that because if she's not, we can we get to make it seem like she said anything we want to. Tari, <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
2: Uh, maybe a better example of cherry picking. That would, that will unfortunately hit home for all of us listening is if you have ever had an argument with a significant other or someone at work, um, especially someone at work you don't get along with, or, you know, a family member or a, a close friend, anyone that you're emotionally close to or see often, uh, if you have formed an opinion about them, it doesn't really matter after a certain amount of time. Uh, whether and after a certain degree, whether or not your opinion jives with the facts, there was some an old um, there was an old stand up bit where wherein the comic, all right, I'll say his name, Louis C.K. Horrible person, but where, where, wherein he pointed out, you know, if you don't like someone, you'll just find reasons not to like them. They can do any number of amazing, wonderful things for the world. And and you'll just hate them. That's that's how it works because you'll cherry pick, discount the things that they did that run counter to your opinion of them. And it works in the other direction as well. If you really really love someone, you really really love even like a band or um, a, a member of a band or something, or a wrestler, or a wrestler. You know, then then you'll ignore the whole Hogan and you'll just go See? for it. Yeah. You'll just go for the things that you find uh, likable about that person. And this this is dangerous because we just illustrated, I think, how uh, – you know, one other example. If we didn't get everybody in the crowd yet, here's one other example. What, a president?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. No, for
2: real though. No, that's, that's true. Yeah.
1: Any president that has ever been in office, mm-hmm. that occurs to them by pretty much – Every American, at least. Right. People say one way or the other. Yeah. One way
2: or the other, people say Kennedy could do no wrong or, yeah. you know, except Bill Clinton
1: was the best.
2: Right. Right. So on. And one thing that would be uh, a good personal example is let's say you've been in a relationship that's at a low point or it's not working out. And you're at the point where a lot of your arguments are the you always do this arguments. Yes. So Don't let yourself emotionally get trapped there right now as you're listening, but think about it in the most abstract way you can. Are they always like that? Yeah. Are they really always (laughs) like that? Yeah. Because they're probably not. They're probably not always like that.
1: I have just a really personal quick example. Sure. Uh, I had a very, very deep dislike of – close to hatred but not quite – of a certain singer named Beyonce. When I was growing up, okay, in early in high school, and this because of the movie Goldfinger, Austin Powers. Uh huh. Because, in my opinion, she ruined that film. <laughs> when I was that kid, now look, I recently watched Homecoming on Netflix with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, a performance that she had at Coachella that she produced and directed. It was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. Um, it took me this long to change my opinion about uh, Beyonce or Beyonce mm-hmm. Miss B. Whoever, Queen Bee, whatever you want to call her. A person that you have never met. A person I've never met, but had preconceived notions about because of a performance in a movie that that I felt strongly about when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and it took until now, but did, anyway, just just putting that out there.: Did you feel like
2: Gold member was this cinematic masterpiece? <laughs> when and then was, she ruined it when
1: was, Yes, Wow. In high school, Austin Powers was one of my favorite things, <laughs> and when Gold member happened, I was just like, nah, I can't handle this. <laughs> wow. you felt they they had you felt they had fallen. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, I'm, just apologies uh, yeah. overall, and uh watch homecoming. It's actually
2: great. I'll check it out. Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's a good that's a good example because it shows us how this phenomenon of 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 cherry picking and predetermining stuff occurs uh, on micro and macro cosmic levels and furthermore kudos to you man because you were able to you were able to critically assess your own opinion. And it's okay for people to change their minds when exposed to new information or new experiences. I know we don't like to hear that too often in mass media. It's called flip-flopping. Yeah. But when new information emerges, if you if you want to work to your highest mental abilities, that means you have to continually assess what's going on in the world around you. Way tougher than it seems. In this case, to take it past Beyonce past uh, Hulk Hogan uh, and back to this idea of a cult purposefully sacrificing large amounts of people through very circuitous means during, a, during April, uh, we have to say that the connection between these massive acts of violence in the month of April seemed more connected through cherry picking and the possible commemoration of previous tragedies. You know, like um, we don't know for sure whether the shooters in Columbine were commemorating the birthday of Adolf Hitler or Waco. While there may be something darkly tempting about connecting these events to an ancient religious practice, the evidence just does not seem to support some sort of purposeful mass sacrifice by a secret elite cult. Yeah, It's just – it's not
1: there right now. It's not. We And we say that. Only, what, five days ago, four days ago? Mm-hmm. The massive fire in Notre Dame at the cathedral?
2: Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that, yeah. I mean, we're
1: right within that range. And we're actually recording on April 19th. Yeah, and now speaking on the Notre Dame fire, mm-hmm. uh, what we know as of this day on the 19th, it seems to be, uh, it occurred at least probably because of an electrical short or an electrical issue while while repairs and or um Uh, not refurbishments, restorations, restorations on the cathedral were occurring Mm. and no one was injured, Mm. at least as of now. That's what we, we know that no one was injured, but still it was this massive fire that was a worldwide story that, that happened.
2: Right, right. The fire at Notre Dame and you had, um, you had mentioned this too off air before we hopped in and it. Had me frantically searching to see whether someone had died. It's a little bit early now for the more um, the more analytical uh, information to come out about this because I believe the police are still researching it. I I do think it's interesting that so many people came together to donate a massive amount of money for this uh, for for the restoration. And the reconstruction of the building um, in so short a time. Yeah, and it's also true that it's entirely possible something else could happen after we record this episode, or after it publishes.
1: Yeah, What if we, gosh, I'm so sorry. Just a, a couple other instances. Sure. The um, the widely reported Boeing. Uh, plane crashes that have occurred and I believe they occurred mostly in March or at least I know the Ethiopian one I think occurred in March mm-hmm. and you know these are fiery explosions that killed lots and lots of people but they occurred right outside of this range that you know um, some of the researchers would believe is the time of sacrifice so it's it just kind of leads us back to all these things so I'm just try- trying to throw these things out there because I know people might wonder about them or why we didn't mention them
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention those. Furthermore, we'd like to know other events that we have not touched on that occurred in April of this year. As we know, uh, mass media does try to cast its eye everywhere, but it promotes some stories more than it promotes others. So let us know what you think. We also want to point out there's another deeply disturbing concern here. Does the proliferation of this sort of pattern-making somehow cheapen the deaths or the tragedy of mm. the loss of the people who fell victim to these heinous acts? It's a valid question. Or are members of society simply doing what humans do best, creating patterns in a misguided attempt to make sense of a senseless, chaotic, and uncaring universe? <laughs> Again, let us know.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. We are Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. Come hang out with us on Facebook on Here's Where It Gets Crazy. That's our, that's our page there. And we can have discussions. We can talk about all these things together and definitely do that. If you want to call us and leave a message, tell us your personal stories, our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a message, you get three minutes. If you can't get it in three minutes, just call back. Um, If you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can send us an email. We are
2: conspiracy at howstuffworks.com.